0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hey, good to see you, good to see you. Thanks for being here. Happy Sunday, happy 4th of July weekend. Yeah, you guys doing stuff? Anybody? All right, all right, all right. Well, hey, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward and do an offering together. Um, If you would pray with me, that would be awesome. God, thank you for that time of worship together. Thank you for, God, thank you for the work that you are doing in this church and the work that you're doing outside of it from the people who are taking your kingdom out into the world and showing people who Jesus is. God, we want more of that. And so we give you this offering, just praying that you would help us to um, use that as ammunition for your kingdom to take back territory from the enemy. We love you, Jesus. We love the work that you're doing and the things that you're going to do. And uh, we just thank you for the obedience of those who who have been called to just to partner with you financially. Just thank you for the obedience. I just pray that you bless them, that you would give them favor, that you would would show them that they can't outgive you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. 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 They're going to pass those things along. Uh, Yeah, I just talked with someone this morning who uh, she said that every week she's been planning on... uh, you know giving an offering at church but she said every time she she's planning on doing it she ends up spending the money and so this week she said to be obedient she got uh, a money order <laughs> to make sure that it doesn't happen that she can't spend it and so just giving that and it and it forces the uh, you, you can't you can't back out of it. I know how many times I did that. I was like, oh, I'm going to give it church this next week. Yeah, it's going to be. And then next week comes around. And you're like, yeah, I don't really have a lot of money. I love the act of obedience, though. Of I'm going to make sure this happens. We're talking a decent bit about obedience today. Uh, we're going to talk about independence as well as dependence. John chapter 14 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Essentially, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will submit. How many people like the word submit? Some of you are a little weird. You might like it. John fifteen ten says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will abide in my love. You'll rest in it. You'll stay in it. You'll be a part of my love. You will walk in my love. You'll abide in it if you obey me. And so there's two ways to read this scripture. That uh, One would be that obedience is like a work that you do to get into the kingdom of God. Some people read it that way. That um, if I want to follow Jesus, if I really love Jesus, then I'll keep his commandments. And they take that as I'll follow the rules. I'll do certain things. Uh, certain acts to get myself into the kingdom of God. Another way to read it that I would like to get us to is where we recognize that obedience is, obedience is actually the fruit. Obedience is the, um, you know, the thing that shows up in our life when we receive the King Jesus, when we submit to him, when we obey him, when we keep his commandments the thing about jesus is that um, he he doesn't want just part of us he wants total surrender and so he says i don't want just a, a piece of the pie i want the whole dang thing i want all of it receiving jesus is this beginning of a journey towards total surrender that's one of the things that freaked me out more than anything when i was giving myself to jesus that, well, what does this surrender look like? I like certain things in my life. Yes, there's some things that I hate, but there's some things that I love and I don't want to lose them. And so what does it mean to surrender? Well, as Jesus comes in deeper and deeper into your life, as he grabs hold of your heart more, If you're letting him, if you're inviting him more and more, and you say, I want more of your spirit, Lord. I want more of your presence. I want to see your fingerprints all over things. I just, I want more of you. You get into that place. And as he comes in, all of a sudden, he begins to expect more of you. You're saying, Jesus, I want more of you. And he shows up and he expects more of you. You're like, this isn't really what I was thinking. He shows up and he expects more from you because he wants to give more to you. He expects more because he wants to give more to you. And it explains uh, Jesus' kind of unorthodox evangelism strategy. Evangelism so is going out and trying to win people for the kingdom of God. To get people to know who Jesus is, that ultimately they would give their lives over to, the, to him. And so Jesus ought to be the king of evangelism, Right? He ought to be the one, you know, he got tons of people to follow him. But Jesus has this way of, it kind of seems like he's doing everything wrong if he wants to grow a church. He's doing everything wrong. Jesus creates forks in the road, every which way. He creates forks in the road. Luke chapter 9, it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Essentially, Jesus is saying, so so you're saying, I'll follow you anywhere you go. And Jesus is saying, P.S., by the way, I'm homeless. So the place that we're going is homeless. I'm homeless. I'm going to be homeless everywhere we go unless somebody lets us stay somewhere. And so are you, are you sure you're going to go anywhere with me? Because there's going to be some sleeping on the ground. Because there's going to be some, some uncomfortable times. There's going to be some hungry times. Further on it says, To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead... To bury their own dead, Jesus says, "Leave the dead to bury their own dead." But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Basically, that what's happening in your father's house right now, um, that stuff is spiritually dead, and I'm calling you to be alive. This verse, we a lot. I always thought it meant that the father had died already, that uh, he was being told not to go and and bury his father. As I studied more, it seems like the father's just old. And so the man is going to to spend time with him before he passes away. That once he passes away, then I'll be able to follow you, Jesus. Any of you ever do that? Once this thing happens, then I'll be able to give myself over to you completely. Once this thing happens. Further on it says, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Jesus says this is going to be work. This is going to be intense. This is going to be something different, and you have to give yourself to it completely. There's no looking back and thinking about turning around. There's no looking back at your family and going, I'm homesick. He says, no. This isn't the warm and fuzzy Jesus. It's not really the grow a megachurch Jesus. It's not the one that I would think, um, yeah, that sounds good. I'll follow him. Luke chapter 14. So these first couple of stories, Jesus was talking to individual people. Luke chapter 14, he's going to talk to a crowd and it gets even worse. Luke 14, it says, Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, you cannot be my disciple. That's a fork in the road. That's like, mm, okay, do I? what do you mean hate my family? What is Jesus doing here? What is he saying? He goes on even further as if that's not enough with the, the things he said that you have to do. He says you need to hate your dad. You need to hate your mom. You need to, if you have a son or daughter, you need to hate them. You need to hate your own life. You need to hate your brothers and sisters. What if he told you that? Mark chapter 8, it says, If anyone would come after me, then he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to be with me, wants to come after me, they need to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Jesus, your sales pitch is interesting. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we mentioned a story about someone who's known as the rich young ruler. Um, this was a story about another time when um, Jesus, we, we get some insight into the kind of the way that he operates, about what it means to um, submit and what it means to sacrifice something. There's a guy in a village, um, he's, he's one of the most successful businessmen of the entire area. He's the rich, young, he's, he's everything. He's a ruler, he's young, and he's rich. Who is this guy? And so he has wealth, he has, it says he had energy and vigor in life. He had power, he had status, and he had heard of Jesus and the miracles that Jesus had done. The only thing that he didn't have was this thing that Jesus offered that he'd been hearing about. And so he falls onto his knees before Jesus when Jesus comes into town. and He says, what do I need to do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because I want this thing. I have everything else. Like, I want, this is the one thing. I want to check this off just in case. And so the disciples got to be excited. They're like, what is the big catch? You know, they've been sleeping on the ground. They've been eating fish sandwiches. And they're like, this is a big cat. We're eating steak tonight. Mark 10, it says, And Jesus, looking at him, he loved him, and he said to him, You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Ouch. And then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. It says, Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. So it was this, what must I do? And that was the thing for him that he needed to do. And it sounds like it's probably because his possessions were his king. His possessions were his king. Is this love? Is this good? To tell somebody to sell everything? Like, is that what you have to do? I thought that a little bit. But if I'm going to give myself to Jesus, I have to to give everything away. Jesus is saying, surrendering everything to me is better than having it yourself. How is that true? How is that true? And how is he a good king? We talk about that all the time, that he's a good king. He's a good, good father, we sang today. We know Jesus is a good king because of the cross. We know he's a good king because of the cross and what happened on it. Jesus said, I'm better than all of that that you have going on. Here's the work that I did on the cross. The payment has been made for your imperfections. Jesus lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. And he died a death that we deserved. And he did it for us. And justice was served. Romans 5 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Like he did not wait. Are you waiting to get cleaned up? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we got cleaned up. Not uh, once we got things together. Not um, when we quit drinking. Not, you know. hate your father and your mother and your sister and your brother. That's tough. The thing I've kind of come to realize with that because I struggled with that for years of Jesus, why would you say that? And what I've come to is this, and I might be, I might be wrong, but my interpretation now is um, not that you would, you would hate them the way that we know, but that you, yeah, you don't be evil to them, But Jesus is saying, I want you to love them less than you love me. I want you to love them less than you love me. I need to be first. And a lot of you, even in this room, you're never going to let that happen. You're going to say, my kids are above Jesus. You're going to say, my husband or wife is above Jesus. Jesus is saying, no. I don't want a piece of the pie. I want the whole thing. I want you to give your whole self to me. He's a jealous God. And he's a good king. And he has what's best for us. Timothy Keller is one of my favorite pastors and authors. Um, We've studied a lot of his different group studies in our small group over the years. He writes this, If Jesus is your center and Lord and you fail him, He will forgive you. Your career or whatever you place importance on can't die for your sins. They don't forgive. If Jesus is the creator, Lord, then by definition, nothing could satisfy you like he can. Even if you're successful, even the most successful careers and families cannot give the significance, the security, and affirmation that the author of glory and love can. Jesus is a good king, who gives life to us. So he gives he gives us an opportunity for real life, an opportunity for real life. Just like with the rich young ruler, um, Jesus loves us enough not to just die for us, but also to tell us the hard truth about things. He loves us enough to let us know. Um, Jesus loves us enough to tell us when we have things in our teeth, right? <laughs> like you got this thing, buddy you gotta, you got to get this. And here's what Jesus is, is kind of bringing up through all of this. He's saying, I am the king of kings, and you have a counterfeit king. You have a counterfeit king in your life. I have counterfeit kings. You have counterfeit kings. None of us really like being told what to do. Um, a lot of us, our counterfeit king is just that independence, Right? The independence, we love the independence of things. When you turn 16, what do you do? I gotta drive. When you get in that car, what is it? Independence. Oh, I can go wherever I want to. When you turn 18, what do you, lottery tickets, cigarettes? Why? Because it's my independence. 21, I gotta drink something. I'm free too, right? I'm allowed to do it now, it's my independence. You get your first job or paycheck, and you're like, whoa, I'm independent now. That's just who we are, but it's one of the things that causes us to rebel against the king. Causes us to rebel against the king. The issue with that independence is that we're not actually independent. We're all being driven by something. Uh, something is is kind of driving all the time sometimes we recognize it and sometimes we don't a lot of us though, we have something that we're serving do you think you have something besides jesus that you're serving that you're kind of worshiping that you're bowing down to that and you wouldn't do it uh in real life you're not like fast food. get on my knees oh. But it is uncomfortable to watch people bow down, um, even like metaphorically. But we do bow down. We bow down to counterfeit kings. Uh, a lot of times, they're called idols. These idols, uh, we don't want to confess having them because it makes it, se- it seems <laughs> it's it's a weakness, right? But we have idols. What's an idol? An idol is anything more important to you than Jesus. It's anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than Jesus. It's also anything that you seek to give you what only Jesus can give. There are many ways to describe that kind of relationship to something, but perhaps the best one is worship. And so some of us serve idols, we bow down to counterfeit kings, we we worship phony kings, Satan is the prince of this world, but he's not our only enemy. He's in this world and he's an enemy, but he's not the only one. For some of us, we're also our own worst enemy. We believe that lie that we're our own king or queen. Like that I'm the one in charge. I'm independent, right? But Jesus puts these forks in the road to cause, uh, to cause us to question Mark chapter 8, it says, If anyone would come after me, he needs to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus deliberately uses these words that have caused people to be super uncomfortable. He says, Take up your cross. The only way, the only reason, the only time that you would take up a cross because you were forced to carry your own cross if you were going to be crucified. And so if you were on your way to crucifixion, you would carry a cross, take up your cross. Crucifixion was humiliating. It was usually naked. Sometimes it was upside down. And it was an excruciating death. Crucifixion comes from the word excruciating. It's out of... You know, what do we have in the middle of this word? Cruci, excruciating death. It means out of the cross. Jesus paints this picture about being willing to die and give up everything. To receive the kingdom of God entirely, there have to be two deaths. Jesus' death on the cross and your death spiritually. Spiritually you giving up your life for him. You have to die, he says. That the old you has to die, that if you were to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you your life. That people who say, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, Jesus. Jesus says, you won't follow me to the end of Sheviat. <laughs> like, you better think about the cost. Think about the cost there's a cost associated with things that can be uh, very different. So if you buy sushi at a store, at a, a restaurant, it's going to have a cost, right? This is how much it costs. But there's also a cost like uh, the oceans being overfished. There's a cost like uh, the amount of pollution that's put out by trucks that are bringing this. There's a cost. There's lots of different costs on things. Jesus says, I want you to count the cost. There's a, there's a lot of costs involved in this as well. Jesus has cost me all kinds of things. He's cost me friendships with people, I've lost friends because I didn't indulge in certain appetites with them. Jesus has cost me money. Oh, my goodness. bringing me into the obedience of tithing and loving tithing, making me into a generous person. I grew up a poor kid who was grabbing on to anything I possibly could, and he's turned me into a generous man who gives anything away that I can because I can't give enough away, and it keeps coming back to me. Jesus could cost you your sex life. Some of you, have a, a, a thing going, and you love how it 's going it 's promiscuous and it 's wonderful. Jesus gets into your heart you're he 's going to cost you that he 's going to cost you that he just co- it 's costly to obey jesus but it 's worth it. when I submit to the king there 's these good deaths that happen as well the death of my anger the death of my fear the death of my um, You know, people pleasing, the death of so many deaths that can come in. The death of selfishness. Burger King motto I want it my way. Jesus says, don't eat at Burger King. (laughs) The king says that has to die. And your marriage, and your parenting, and your leadership, at your job. You know, in your job situation, in your school situation, in your um, I don't know what to do with this kid of mine who's gone off the rails situation. I don't know what to do with my um, my debt situation that Jesus wants all of it. He says, I need all of these things. I need you to submit all of these things. The king of kings has killed massive amounts of fear in me. The king of kings has killed. Um, uh, I, used to, I used to be a control freak. And I've let go of that. So much because of him. Different behaviors, thoughts, relationships that were no good. Uh, Jesus has cost me many of those things. The king of kings has, uh, has killed uh, approval seeking in me. Because I'm his now. And that's enough. And so if I'm thinking, oh, I'm not good enough in some way, I have to remind myself that I'm His. And He says that I'm good enough because I'm His. Dying is a good thing. King Jesus doesn't want to share His throne with anything. He doesn't want to share His throne with anything. Philippians chapter 2 It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. One day, everyone will bow down to King Jesus One day, everyone will. And it can be forceful or it can be willingly. But one day, everybody's going to bow down to Jesus. If you're one of the people who's asking that question, maybe you've asked it um, out loud. Maybe you've just asked it in your head again and again of why am I not experiencing God? I would say, you probably haven't died to yourself. You probably haven't died to something that you need to die to. But if you want to die to something, you need to count the cost. Jesus wants everything, every part of it. He doesn't want just a little piece of it. He wants every choice about how you spend your time. He wants to be the king of your time. He wants to be the king of your finances. He wants to be the king of your dating life. And so asking him what you do during that process dating oh my gosh if I had to date right now any of you that are doing that I'm so sorry it's horrible I wish you the best but you need to be praying inviting Jesus into the middle of that process because it's gross out there it's not just big stuff Jesus wants to be the king of where when how you work He wants to be the king over every choice. He wants to be the king over what you watch on TV. It's honorable to count the cost. If you're a person who's like, okay, am I ready to do that? Jesus, what he would say again and again is you need to count the cost. You need to count the cost of what I'm asking you. Because I don't want just a little haphazard. Like, Um, you can't be standing in two kingdoms at the same time. You have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. If you're straddling both of them, he says, I don't need you. I don't need any fence riders. I need somebody who's got both feet completely planted into the kingdom. What is... What's the false king that you have surrendered to? What is the thing that is keeping you from giving yourself to Christ all the way? Do you have a thing? Do you have a few things? Jesus wants your fears and your worries. He wants your career decisions. He wants Jesus wants your sex life. Jesus wants your money. And not just all of, not just here, give me all, your, He wants to be a part of how you think and what you do with your money. Of are you going to use your money to make the world a better place? Are you going to do that? Are you going to use your money to um, save people from hell? And you have to count the cost. I just want to close in, in praying for you. Um, that's what is on my mind right now. So if you all would, would indulge me in the praying part. Jesus, thank you for just showing us a, a better way to live. I pray that you would bring us to an understanding. This is, this is hard stuff. Hating our mother and father and uh, giving things up, taking up our cross to follow you. It's just hard. And so we just pray that you would give us a deeper understanding of what you mean. Pray that you would give us uh, the courage to give ourselves to you and to step into obedience. You say that if we love you, we'll obey your commands. I love you, Jesus. I want to do the things that you say. We love you. We want more of you. More of you and less of us, Lord. That as people come in contact with us, that they would see us and they wouldn't even see our face, that they would recognize Jesus for the first time. Make us strong and courageous. Let us have a king at our side and the confidence that comes with that that you can cover everything that we can't get. That if we give ourselves over to you, that you will have our back. That you'll love us, you'll forgive us, you'll give us access to a life of eternal, just heaven. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you for who you're making us. I pray in your name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. I hope that you have an awesome weekend and uh, don't blow any fingers off. And uh, I will see you guys soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.